Hello again, and we're back with another episode of Varsity 360. I'm Colombian sports editor Micah Rice, uh, joined by Meg Wachnick. And uh, uh, this is an exciting time of year, isn't it? Uh, not only are we kind of getting into the uh, real the meat of the uh, uh, chase for postseason bursts in basketball, but uh, today's kind of a special day. It's uh, uh, especially for a lot of kids uh, around the the area um, signing day. It it's is. A, it is. It only happens uh, just a couple times a year. Uh, it used to be just a once-a-year occurrence, especially for football, but um, it's a day to celebrate uh, the achievements and the accolades of, of so many high school athletes pursuing their dreams of playing college athletics. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if, you know, you kind of see it building throughout the year, especially if you follow some of these athletes on social media. They're talking about taking their official visits and uh, you know having phone conversations with coaches. And it really, since the advent of social media, it's kind of giving you an insight into how um, – big and long of a process this is so for it to finally have that resolution today where they finally get to go up on that stage have the logo of the school they're going to play for and put pen to paper it's a a really big day for a lot of these kids it is and and you kind of hear kind of some similar stories every year about just how much you know the cliche saying of of having a weight lifted off your shoulders i mean it's it's a lot to deal with for 16 17 year old 18 kids to have the pressure of figuring out where they're going to spend the next four or sometimes even five years of their lives and it's more than just playing a college sport like college is is a big accomplishment and so it's important to to understand uh, the academic side as well as the athletic side of where you want to be for the next four or five years well you profiled just an exceptional student athlete in, in an article that uh, came out today uh kyle Ch- he is a first-generation Chinese-American who takes a lot of pride in that and being an athlete and representing that community on the football field. But he's also serving as uh, his home country. He's going to be attending the uh, United States Air Force Academy. So uh, uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, you know your, your uh, interaction with Kyle and kind of what, what kind of a guy he is and what makes him so special. Yeah, so Kyle Chen is, is a high school senior at Mountain View. Uh, he's been a four-year starter defensively, uh, which is which is pretty pretty rare, especially for a class 3A program to have a freshman come in and make that immediate impact. And it's been great to just get to know Kyle over the last three and four years. We profiled him uh, as part of our high school football tab back in back in September. And, um, you know, as you said, he is first generation Chinese American. Um, his parents immigrated from mainland China back in the 1990s. He and his brother Kevin were born here. And the thing that I appreciated most is he said as he's grown up, especially in high school, he's really taken a lot of pride in what his Chinese heritage means to him, not only just as a person, but representing that on the football field. He understands the the rarity of not only just Chinese Americans playing big time sports, but just Asian Americans playing high school sports. Uh, last year, only two percent of athletes who identified as Asian were playing Division One athlete or athletics, and a very small fraction of them were playing major college football. So he understands the importance of being an Asian American and playing big time football at Air Force. Yeah, and he's not the only one from Mountain View that's going to Air Force. Right. Uh, Jacob Martin, uh, uh, an athlete we profiled as being kind of, you know, primarily a baseball player first, but he's going to go play football at the Service Academy. Yeah, he yeah. is. And and you know, talking with Adam Matheson last week for this story, surprisingly, these two guys are the first skilled position players under Matheson in his tenure 
to go on and play major college football. There's been a number of linemen over the years that have played FBS, but not skill position guys. And, and that's surprising given how successful Mountain View's programs have been year in and year out. But as Matheson said, it takes a certain special person uh, to be at a military academy like Air Force, not just great athletically or academically, but you have to have that special character and that leadership. And, and Chen and Martin both represent that. Yeah, I was going to mention that's just so rare. We maybe hear one athlete a year normally that's going to either West Point or the Naval Academy in Annapolis or, or the United States Air Force Academy. And, and so to have two in a year, and both on the same team. Exactly. That, that is something, and it speaks to kind of the, the quality of those young men. It is, and it speaks mm-hmm. to the quality of, of just what they mean to that program and to that school. Uh, like you said, I mean, two in one school, let alone two in one sports program, Adam Matheson's a very, very proud coach. Yeah. Well, congratulations to all those, uh, you know, who signed today. Uh, we'll have a, a, you know, a kind of a closer look into a, a program that's uh, really made a lot of inroads in southwest Washington for football, and that's uh, uh, Central Washington. Every year, they have anywhere from eight to ten guys usually uh, that that go and play in in Ellensburg there, and and this year's no different. We have uh, you know obviously Ty Evans at uh, uh, Skyview, Mitch Johnson, Mountain View's quarterback is also committed to Central. Uh, quite a few others that are also probably going to end up uh, you know joining that program, uh, and so um, obviously if if you want to kind of follow Clark County athletes at the next level uh central washington at the d2 level is uh, obviously one where you should pay attention it is and, and head coach chris fisk he's in his fifth year at central and he and his his coaching staff have done a really good job over the years of dipping into clark county and getting so many of our our standout athletes you mentioned ty evans you mentioned mitch johnson there's going to be a couple others mm-hmm. uh, when it's all said and done come april and may and so uh, it's a quality division two program and now they're in a new conference which is mostly texas schools so it's it's big time Division Two football. Yeah, absolutely. So once again, congratulations to all those kids who, uh, you know, like you said, get a weight lifted off their shoulders today. But uh, that's not the real reason we're here to talk today. And it's because uh, it's the first day of February. Uh, and that can only mean one thing. Uh, high school basketball is really heating up. We're heading, you know, we're we got about a, a, a week and a half left of regular season games, even less in some of those leagues where they start to play the at the district level and pigtail games and whatnot but uh, uh, you got to see maybe one of the more accomplished uh, basketball teams last night in Camas girls they've gotten a lot of attention around the state number one ranked in class 4a and uh, judging from your article in today's paper uh, uh, you kind of got an idea why they are uh, so successful why don't you tell us about what you saw yeah so impressive victory 77 34 over Skyview to clinch a share of the league title they can win it outright obviously by winning one of their two final games of the regular season but what impressed me most about Camus is their passing. Um, it was, as my story said, basically a work of art. And I even kind of jokingly asked Scott Thompson after the game, hey, are there times when you just sit back and just watch artists at work? He goes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, he marvels in, in their greatness, and it's it's beautiful basketball. It's it's passing in a way that you wish every every team would 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 watch and, and basically duplicate. There's times where there's eight, nine, ten passes in the half court, and the end goal doesn't change. They're looking for the best shot possible. 
and when it's clicking like it was against Skyview, it is it is something special to watch. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't looked up some of the highlights of, of how Camus runs their offense, it is pretty impressive. It's pass, 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 layup Addison Harris. She's their post player and leading scorer. And, and uh, they the, the way they kind of break down a, a defense is really, like you said, something to behold and, and not something you often see. And uh, it's... Every now and then, you know, you find people, and we were talking about this last night, who really prefer the the, the women's or the girls' game of basketball to the men's game for the exact reason that Camus can exemplify. It's the high level of below-the-rim basketball passing, you know, setting up shots, uh, you know, you're not uh, uh, getting flustered when a team decides to play pressure defense or mm-hmm. something, be, really having an anecdote to that. And it, it, it's the high school girls game at, at the highest level when a team like that is clicking. It is. I mean, you mentioned Addie too. She had a double-double 28-14, but also had three assists. She's really good about finding her teammates and having that <laughs> kick out three-pointer off top the key. And that happened a couple of times uh, on Tuesday night. And, and I asked some of the girls post game about just has this been an emphasis this year and, and what is there a game that really was kind of the turning point and they pointed to that holiday tournament that they had mm-hmm. in Portland uh, at Grant High School where they played uh, 6A Clackamas which is a uh, a challenger for the state title in Oregon and then went on to face a very quality nationally ranked Sierra Canyon team mm-hmm. and against those opponents you can't really rely on ISO basketball you got to mm-hmm. rely on your passing and ever since then what Riley Sands has said is the last three or four weeks that's kind of their emphasis and their bread and butter is that passing well and you look at their post-game statistical sheet they'll have just throw it out, 30 field goals and 25 assists on those 30 field goals. And that's a typical night for them. Absolutely. And it it was against Skyview, 22 assists on 29 made field goals. And and that's pretty typical. Yeah. So obviously they're going to be a team from this area that uh, uh, is looking to make a deep run into the postseason, definite contender for the 4A state title. Uh, Others I'll be breaking down later in the show with Tim Martinez, kind of uh, uh, what we're looking at for postseason possibilities for local teams, but uh, uh, there's a lot to be decided. It's the most important two weeks of the the basketball season coming up. Now, looking at the basketball season, there's an issue that's kind of come up and been brought to our attention by local coaches, especially local 3A coaches, and that is uh, this year, especially in the boys' basketball uh, leagues, the discrepancy between the 4A talent and the 3A talent is, as you know, it's, uh, if you follow basketball around here, uh, there's four teams in the 4A Greater St. Helens League, five teams in the 3A Greater St. Helens League, and they decide to build a bunch of their or a bulk of their schedule by having non-league crossover games, so 4A playing against 3A, and and uh, doing that throughout you know most of. January. Um, well, to you know, be blunt, it hasn't gone very well for the 3A schools around here. Um, in 23 ga- uh, boys basketball games where a 4A school has played a 3A school, the 4A schools are 20 and 3 and outscoring the 3A schools by 20.3 points per game. This has included wins by 38 points, wins by 33 points, uh, 38 again, 34, 32. And uh, it, it's 
Remember, I, I talked to a 3A coach last week who basically said that, what are we doing here? Um, they're not getting anything out of it. Talk about the 4A teams, and we sure uh, aren't getting anything out of it. And and so you know, it got me thinking, is there a purpose to continually have these 4A, 3A crossovers where at least this year it is such a big gulf in talent? Wouldn't those leagues be better served by instead of just playing two rounds of league games, throw in a third round of league games? Maybe, you know, in the case of the four A's, you can conceivably have four rounds of league games since that league is so small. But if you were to say have three rounds of league games, then you get you, you don't have the, the tiebreaker scenario where, you know, one team has beat the other once and and switch the result the other side. You could have clean tiebreakers. You could have more of an emphasis on on the league schedule being a bulk of your regular season. Uh, what do you think about this, Meg? Is 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 there any um, any kind of purpose to continuing to do this three A four A crossover? Well, there there is a purpose, yeah. and it's a purpose to help the four A schools. Mm. Uh, what people probably aren't really aware of is the four A and three A operate as one league, mm-hmm. uh, all the way from scheduling to to the finances and the books. So it's the 4A, 3A Greater St. Helens League. And with the 4A schools being essentially a four-school league, they need the 3As. Hmm. Now, the 3As don't need the 4As, them being, yes, it's only one school larger being a five-school league, but the 4As need those 3As to help fill out that schedule. Hmm. Uh, Otherwise, yeah, the other option is you're going to have three rounds of league games. Now, if you look back, what was it, six, seven years ago when the 3A GSHL consisted of Fort, River, Kelso, Prairie. And that was back when the WI was still every two years new classifications. So is that an option? I mean, I don't know. I mean, talking to a number of 3A coaches and, and there's kind of this this common denominator is we would do anything rather than do what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, it, it's a lose-lose situation, right? What do the 3As get out of it? They get a 30-point loss. Yeah. What do the 4As get out of it? They, they get a 30-point win. Does that really help either team in their preparation for what they hope is a postseason run? Mm-hmm. So, But you also have to remember there's classifications for a reason. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why the WIAA has 4A, 3A, 2A, 1A and in, in the in the B's is to create that balance and fairness and having the 3A 4A's duke it out in a sport like basketball that's that's not fair right. but there is parity in a number of sports say mm-hmm. volleyball mm-hmm. soccer uh, the stick sports in the spring baseball and uh, and softball you see a little bit better competition in more cases than not the 3A teams beating the 4A's but in football and boys and girls basketball it's it's not working. Yeah, because in uh, there's a, a precedent to this, and I think you're you're very right in saying that it kind of does depend by the nature of the sport. But they tried this in football a few years ago, and then decided to do away with it because of this exact reason that we're seeing. And in, in, uh, um, well, not 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 across the board. I mean, you still get the occasional three A four A crossover with a say a Mountain View and a Union playing mm-hmm. a very uh, a competitive game you know, games against each other, but. Uh, uh, it's it's not something that they have held as fast to as, say, basketball, at least in football. 
Correct. And, and some people might be wondering, well, geographically, yes, Clark County, I'm not saying we're at a disadvantage, but where we are, the closest 3A or 4A schools are 100 miles north in Olympia and Lacey. Now, some other people say, oh, we'll just cross the river and play Portland area schools. Well, that's that's not as easy as it might sound. Now, Camas, for example, mm-hmm. in a number of sports, is really good about playing some Portland area schools. I mean, we saw it with girls basketball playing Clackamas twice this season, uh, going on to play Beaverton to open the season. Mm-hmm. But that's easier than it looks. So, again, the 4As need the 3As to balance out those schedules. Otherwise, the next option would be, yeah, do you want to play three times in, in league? I, I would be a fan I, of that, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So it's, it's, it's tough, but it doesn't really benefit anyone the, the way it's set up right now. Well, and I think there, there's also the case of not just – the 4A schools being bigger programs, but more established programs Mm -hmm. who have an established record of success and a coaching staff that is really put in uh, programs that have risen to a high standard, especially at places like Union and Camus. Camus boys are on the upswing. Uh, Battleground has had some teams recently with the likes of Caden Perry and now Tate Spencer that have uh, been been very successful and can really score. And then Skyview, obviously, they they might have you look at their record and they might consider this a little bit of a down year. But Skyview is always going to be a, a successful program. And so, so then you throw them in uh, the mix with some three A schools that maybe there's a little bit more fluctuation, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a little bit more of a roller coaster versus that you know steady. Uh, record of success, um, you, you, it just might be something with the, the, the pairing of, of you know the characteristics of the teams where you just have happen to have a you know more years than not a very strong for a GSHL and boys basketball down here. And who knows what's going to happen uh, next year is the final year of the this latest four year classification cycle, mm-hmm. and we might have some changes. There might be a number of schools going up, mm-hmm. or or even going down. So uh, this this might be a, a topic that's kind of moot. Yeah. Kind of, you know, looking a, a year from now. But for right now, yeah, it's – I understand why there's a lot of coaches, especially in the 3A ranks, not exactly very happy. Right. Where do you think this goes? Do you think that, that people are just going to kind of wait for that reclassification cycle, as you said, and see see how it all shakes out? I mean, I imagine their hand would be kind of forced if, for example, one of the 4A schools did – go down what's the smallest forest school it's got to be battleground is it battleground or well mountain view is actually i I believe one of if not the largest three schools so So that is that is one school that that could possibly go up and and looking at the latest enrollment numbers that is a very high probability so which Mm -hmm. essentially would just flip-flop the four a's would have five Mm -hmm. schools and then the three a's would have four could could a three A school drop down to two A and join a, what would be a ten team? Yeah, I or? see. I don't. I don't see that enrollment yeah. wise. Um, again, the last reclassification cycle was the new free and reduced lunch, the socioeconomic factor, which made a lot of changes. Fort Vancouver, Hudson's Bay dropping down to two A. I don't see the the two A's uh, changing much at all. Now Ridgefield probably in another reclassification cycle we'll be looking at class 3a but i don't see that happening next year yeah i mean the writing's on the wall there with all that or i should say the writing's on the fields out there with all the uh, the new housing that's being built out there and and how uh you know you you can only expect the the uh result of that would be a a larger student body exactly uh, we what the time frame is for that We'll just have to see. Yeah. So I don't see a whole lot of movement for reclassification like we saw four years ago. 
but you just never know. Yeah, well, what we can say, though, is it's been a very good year for the 4As, uh, also with the girls. Um, you know, if you put Camus, Skyview, and Union girls together, they are a combined 11-1 um, and one and outscoring teams by, you know, uh, almost 15 points a game. So uh, it's uh, just one of those years. Maybe it works itself out. Uh, maybe it's kind of a cyclical thing, but it is something that uh, kind of people, especially at the 3 level or taking notice yep all right All right, I'm joined now by Tim Martinez, and uh, Tim, uh, there, there are plenty of possibilities out there when it comes to uh, how the postseason basketball seedings are going to uh, settle out. We know uh, a few things, like uh, Camus in the 4A boys and 4A girls is going to be the number one seed out of the uh, uh, Greater St. Helens League, provided they take care of business. Yes. They still have one probably, more win, probably. Uh, the girls <laughs> yeah. are in a better position uh, the boys, because of the competitiveness in the 4A boys, uh, they have to take care of business starting Friday mm-hmm. uh, against Union. So if Camas girls and boys both win against Union on Friday, uh, the boys play the early game, 530, mm-hmm. a doubleheader at Union, and then the girls afterwards. If the papermakers win both then, then yes, they are league champions and they are the number one. Yes, and then obviously in the boys, uh, Battleground and Union both sit at 2-2 two and two right now. They uh, uh, Obviously, uh, Union got a crucial win uh, last night over, over the Tigers to uh, put them in a position to you know possibly. But, but if those two teams were to uh, finish tied, is there a tiebreaker scenario? Um, they split the boys. The boys split. Yeah. So... Um, I don't know if there would be a particular because in the four A, there is an advantage to be in mm-hmm. two and three because two will play at home to open the by district in a loser out game, three goes on the road. So I'm not sure if they will play that out or mm-hmm. not. Um, I know all the three A tiebreakers are going to be played out because there are a little bit more distinct uh, differences between one, two, and three there. Um, so they might decide to play it out, or they may decide to coin flip it uh you touched on the 3a mm-hmm. scenarios in your column this week and uh uh boy talk about uh, uh kind of a lot to be determined then it, and it even included the 3a uh great st helens league deciding to move up their schedule so that they could uh have a timeline that was more favorable toward a potential tiebreaker yeah so there's two factors that in that decision one factor was um the possibility of tiebreakers which would take place if they're needed um, would take place on Monday, either at Union or Skyview. Um, but then um, the number three team from the 3A Greater St. Helens League has to play a pigtail game against Bainbridge up in Tumwater on Wednesday. So originally the schedule was, was set to finish on Tuesday, and so I think they just, with possibly a tiebreakers and then a pigtail game, close out the league this Friday, and then that will give them a window to do that. So, Well, and as we're taping this, uh, all all of the five teams and the 3A boys could still conceivably see a path, uh, If, uh, but however unlikely it is from uh, fifth place Prairie up through uh, Evergreen and Heritage, which are both two and four right now. And then at the top of the league, Mountain View six and one and Kelso five and one, uh, they could end up in a tie for first. Yeah, barring a, a big upset with one of those um, – teams lower in the standings coming up and, and, and knocking off uh, either Mountain View or Kelso, uh, yeah, they're, they're probably headed for a tie for first, a co-league championship, and then they would play a tiebreaker game 
on Monday, probably at Skyview, just because I'm thinking mm-hmm. geography with how far Kelso has to go, um, to play for that number one, number two seed. So it's, it's a big difference because number one um, puts you into the double elimination part of the uh, bracket, and you'll play a home game to open by district. Two opens a by district home, but that's a loser out. Mm-hmm. And so you got to win at least two to get yourself a shot to go out to the regional round of state from those loser out games. So it's a big, big difference between those two. Yeah, the 3A girls, it's interesting because Prairie, if they uh, beat Evergreen, can wrap up that uh, that number one seed there. Evergreen just a, a half game behind right now at 5-1 and one to Prairie's 6-1. and one. And then you have Kelso at 3-3 three and three and Heritage at 2-4, and four, so still a bit to be determined in the 3A girls. Still a bit to be determined. It could all be sorted out uh, Wednesday night, and we could yeah. know by you know the end of Wednesday night about who's going to be 1, 2, or 3, depending on who wins and loses because Prairie and Evergreen are playing and then Kelso and uh, Heritage are playing. So depending on all how that all sorts out, probably have a pretty good idea um, uh, by Wednesday night. Right. Uh, 2A, both the boys and the girls, it's an interesting dynamic because we know which teams are moving on. We do. We just don't know what record or what seeding they're going to be in. Uh, the boys, obviously, the nexus of power in the 2A GSHL is up north in Longview with uh, Bart Morris at 14-0, Ari Long 13-1. and uh, They'll have uh, a one final showdown to kind of determine whether Bart Morris is the outright league champion or a co-league champ. Uh, but then... Uh, uh, behind those Longview powerhouses, um, Woodland and Ridgefield tied nine and five. Columbia River just uh, lurking there in that fifth spot at eight and seven, and that that uh, difference between four and five could be a big one, right? Because you avoid the play-in game. Right. There's a play-in yeah. game between the number four team from the uh, Evergreen Conference two A. Um, yeah, uh, River's in kind of a tight spot. I mean, they're a game and a half back of both Woodland and Ridgefield. One of their games is against Ridgefield. So they kind of have a little bit of control there. Mm-hmm. But they kind of need to win both of those to kind of force a, a potential tie um, and to maybe get up into the four seat. So um, so that's 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 going to be a, a tall order for, for the Rapids to, to go in both games they have. Because I don't remember what the um, – actually, it's just the one. They just – they're eight and seven. Yeah, so – Right. They, yeah. they have one game. So right. they would need Richfield yeah. to lose their both. other game. Yeah. And I don't remember – who the sputters have in their other game but yeah. um so that 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 would be the caveat so river needs to beat richfield richfield needs to lose the other game that would be the the easiest path to force that tie yeah i mean the big domino to fall is which between woodland and ridgefield ends up in that number three seed with them being tied at nine and five right now right yeah, yeah. so the so the way it's looking now it's either going to be mark morris or Ari long one two mm-hmm. and then probably woodland and ridgefield three four mm-hmm. and then uh, uh River in the uh, at uh, potentially five in that pig tailgate, probably. Oh, yes, we'll to see. games yet. Yeah, to be there played. are there have been some weird games and interesting uh, outcomes, and uh, you know we've seen it where a team wins a close game the first time they play, and then the second time it's a blowout, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. So. Uh, you, you really can't count on anything. It's it's mm-hmm. sick and anything can happen. Well, one thing we can count on in the two A girls is that Columbia River is the number one seed. The Rapids yeah. uh, they put together a really impressive league uh, slate here, going fourteen and one. So they uh, they just have one more league game to play. Uh, they've already wrapped up the number one seed. Behind them, uh, Mark Morris and Woodland tied at eleven and three. Now Mark Morris has won both games in the regular season against Woodland, so uh, the Monarchs would need to stumble 
wall in order for Woodland to, to pass them. But uh, uh, so, but so it's likely unless something happens to Mark Morris that it's um, uh, the Monarchs is the number two seed. Woodland is the number three seed. Ridgefield lurking at nine and five. They're probably locked into that number four seed uh, with Washougal in the number five seed at eight and six. That's probably the way that it's going to it's going to break down, barring again some uh, unforeseen uh, outcome. Bay's loss last night to River kind of knocked them out because they've been mm-hmm. swept by Washougal and they're they're two games back with two to go. So right. uh, Washougal <laughs> has the head to head, so that clinches the by district spot. It's just now up to whether or not Washougal can maybe you know uh, creep up and catch the sputters and maybe get a chance at that four, but yeah. probably five. Yeah. Now in the Trico League, uh, obviously there's a lot to be decided with tonight's game uh, between uh, Seton Catholic and Kingsway uh, tied for first uh, as we speak. We'll have a resolution to that when this uh, airs tomorrow, but the uh, center five and three, they're, uh, they're going to advance to the district tournament. And then uh, Castle Rock right now has a one game lead over Stevenson and Columbia White Salmon for that fourth seed. Yeah, so that's that'll be where the sort of the drama comes out, uh, ladder seats there, and and then the drama tonight with the, who's going to claim that league title um, in all case, in all likelihood be decided tonight. So um, yeah, that's that's where they're they're at. So now the the girls trico league uh, the, really a, a, a consequential game last night with uh, Kingsway handing Seton Catholic uh, the Cougars' first league loss of the season and only second loss overall this year that that puts uh or that sets the table for a a, a split league championship and uh uh how would they how would they break that tie if both end with one loss well they both go to the district and they both get a home game so i don't know yeah. if they w- would play that out i can't remember maybe just coin flip it they might yeah. just coin flip it because there's not a huge advantage one way or the other they're both going to be at home uh, to open districts, so they might just coin flip that one out. Um, yeah, and I think the other spots are all slotted. They are. Uh, Columbia White Salmon is locked into the number three seed. Uh, La Center locked into the four. Right. Yeah, they got a one game win over Stevenson, but they got the head to head on Stevenson. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So it's uh, you know I think we've seen some games here in the mm-hmm. last couple of weeks that uh, kind of uh, uh, you know maybe surprised us and stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought you know I think most folks thought that Seton last night would wrap up the league title and mm-hmm. and uh, Kingsway showed that they were. Uh, ready to play, winning on uh, Seton's floor. Um, so it could be one of those games for Seton that's an, it's an eye-opener and they got to be ready to go moving into district. And, and, and uh, so... Yeah, kind of looking forward to seeing how this all shakes out and where we go from here in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, that that's the big question. Which team catches fire, makes a run? I think we're going to learn a lot over the next week, week and a half, as to what teams are peaking at the right time. Uh, and then, obviously, uh, you got to make it happen when the stakes are the highest. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I saw, uh, you know, like one of those games where, you know, Battleground beat Union first time around, but last, you know, last night... Uh, with the, the Union boys, they, they kind of rolled over a battleground. And they are playing very well as they head into the latter part of the season. The Kelso boys have been playing very mm-hmm. well in the last couple weeks here. Um, they seem to be moving in that right direction. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of teams are trying to hit in their stride. And then Camas girls, they've, they've been moving into them, hitting that stride. And I got a little bump with Clackamas the other night, a non-leaguer on their floor. But uh, uh, I think that also could be a nice kind of eye-opener for their 
as well. Definitely. Well, be sure to follow 360preps.com and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be seeing which teams can uh, catch fire, make a deep run in the postseason. And uh, uh, we'll see you then.